0: Hello, I'm Dale Gentry and welcome to the Disciple Science Podcast. I'm an ecologist and a professor of biology and a Christian. I find great joy and harmony in my life exploring science studying birds and in following Jesus. I help start Disciple Science to produce short videos and other resources to show how integrating science and Christian faith can inspire a fuller knowledge of God. I'm glad you're here to join me and occasional guest as we explore the intersection of science and Christian faith. Now let's get on with part two of our interview with Professor Greg Davidson, author of Friend of Science, Friend of Faith. If you haven't yet listened to the first half of this interview, I suggest you start there. We're going to pick up in the middle and listen through to the conclusion you really do a great job. I think both in, in this section and throughout the book, you just have such a rational approach to all this stuff. Uh, it's, it's clearly written by a scientist, but as I was reading it, I was also thinking about my own students. Um, and I think most of the, the listeners know or uh, or may know that I teach at a conservative Christian school, right? You're at a, at a big public research uh, institution. And a lot of my students are coming from homeschool backgrounds or at least, family situations where they probably have not been exposed to uh, you know, these compatibility of science and faith and the, the view that Christians can believe in, in evolution, that sort of thing. And, and I, I think as much um, intellectual and rational resistance as they might have, because they've been told their whole life that young earth creationism is so scientifically valid, I think there's also a, a emotional resistance that they're very hesitant to let go of the idea that their parents um, you know might be wrong on this and their pastors might be wrong on this or that, that they're letting go of their view of how of what the inspiration of scripture means and how god guided it and directed it so so i really think that your book is outstanding for giving a, a rational logical um, explanation of why we don't need to hold to a young creationist perspective how do you think we wrestle with that emotional um, connection that so many people have?
1: Yeah, so so am I hearing you say that my book doesn't meet all needs? <laughs> no, well, I, I think
0: it meets the rational needs very well, but I-, I yeah, No, no, no
1: that, that, that was a joke. That no, was a no joke. I know. I'm not that arrogant to, to think <laughs> that what I've written it meets everybody's need yeah. at every level. Yeah. Uh, and, and no, and I think you're exactly right, that there are, well, and when you think about it, what makes us human is not just our rationality that we are relational and emotional beings. And so all of those have to come into play, which is actually part, I mean, it comes back to when you're asking about, you know, relating people and and even getting, you know, that door to open a crack that there's that importance of affirming things, you know, so, so people are going to come into something like this with real understandable concerns yeah, yeah. and so being able to address those where it's not even that's not even so much rational as it is that emotional relational level that yeah. hey i i concur agree with you on these most important issues yeah. of of the authority and fallibility and inspiration of the bible yeah. um, you mentioned that connection with parents and grandparents mm-hmm. that we don't realize the degree to which we uh, uh, associate the views of people that we respect and want to honor
0: mm.
1: w- with our own. Yep. Uh, and it also gets back to that institutional memory thing, where we think that you know, if my my parents and my grandparents thought this way, then Christians have always yeah. thought that way. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, we we forget that you know I. I could go back to my great, 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 great grandfather and grandmother, and there were some nuances there that that are not the same. So all of those are important considerations. And so I, again, you know, try to remind people of of the history, uh, relate to them, my objective, that it's not, you know, my, my ultimate objective is not convincing you to think the way I do. it's actually aiming really more at uh bringing greater unity to the church
0: right yeah empathy and understanding
1: right and and this is a huge one and and this sometimes gets people to to stop and think more is that there's a huge issue of the witness of the church Mm -hmm. that if i want to reach out with the message of jesus to the struggling and to the lost and i take that whole issue of of science and just sort of compartmentalize it and say I, I, i'm not going to worry about that and and then somebody brings it up and it's like well yeah you know if you if you want to come to jesus you know it comes with accepting a young earth rejecting a lot of science and the you know the, the eyes of that person glass over and you just leave thinking oh I, you know I, their heart was so hardened yeah. Uh, not realizing that you just contributed to, to that hardening. Um, <laughs> yeah. yep. So that if, if you want to be, uh, if you want, if you have a heart for Jesus, if you have a heart for the lost, then this is not an inconsequential issue yeah. that you, you need to buckle down and, and address it. Okay. And, and I'll say another thing. You, you mentioned the importance, the important role of like pastors yeah. that our, a lot of people, look to their pastors, not necessarily for what to believe, but for a blessing for even what to investigate.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yep. Yep.
1: So if, and in our seminaries, you know, they got limited time and limited resources. They don't have a science staff. Uh, Very few of them have any training in the sciences. So they're depending on other sources, culturally, they tend to drift towards those young earth sources. Mm-hmm. So, if our pastors and church leaders just kind of have a default young earth mentality, then a lot of people in the congregation don't even feel comfortable exploring yeah. the questions, yeah. which then you get to our young people. And as they're exposed to some of the actual evidence and arguments, and they're not comporting with what they're seeing in scripture. They don't feel like there's a, a safe place for them to even raise those questions in their churches, mm-hmm. and so they end up just drifting off with this false perception that science is at odds with scriptural faith. Jesus is tied to the rejection of the science, and they figure, mm-hmm. well, if you know, if what the church has been telling me about science is not true, what they're telling me about Jesus probably isn't true either. Right.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yep. And, and so these things, even though something like the age of the earth or adaptation of life ought to be a, a interesting but peripheral uh, issue, yep. it actually ends up being far more important uh, than it would otherwise be.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's exactly why disciple science exists. I'm hoping that these resources that we're producing when those people start having questions and start googling uh we'll run into these and, and find a message of affirmation that you can retain your transformative faith in jesus and your love for scripture and and your adherence to science being a rational approach to knowledge as well and so hopefully a uh, combination of your book and these videos and other resources i, th- I feel like we're making progress it's encouraging um uh, so you uh, i think um you do a nice job uh, closing the book, talking about uh, a vision of the future, about what we gain by both um, viewing science and and scripture as as compatible, because I think so many people feel like they're losing something. Right, I've, I've lost my reverence for scripture. So, tell us about what we gain by by this maybe not not different uh, a different a different approach to reading scripture. What do we what do we get out
1: of that? Uh, so it's an excellent question. And I, I can think of at least four different things yeah. that we uh, – four different benefits. Uh, one is, you know, thinking back to the days of Galileo, yeah. that when we recognize that what science is ultimately doing is, is studying and revealing things from God's creation. Yeah. And given that we're told in Romans one twenty that God's natural creation, that his character is reflected in his creation, Mm -hmm. then we should expect it to reveal truthful things. So when we, at the very least, allow those questions to be raised to drive us back to scripture, then just as in the days of Galileo, we actually see things that weren't seen before Mm -hmm. that benefits. We actually grow in our appreciation for the Bible. So we don't lose something from the Bible. In other words, science didn't win over the Bible. Uh -uh. The study of God's natural creation actually enhanced our understanding of the Bible. So there's actually a greater appreciation for God's word. Uh, Second, I think that it it actually increases our wonder and awe of God that he has made this creation – that's not just cookie cutter things. I mean, he's made a creation that works so well that he actually m- created life in a manner that allows life to diversify yeah. in in just amazing kinds of variety. And And even more than that, he gave us a creation. He gave us a playground where he, the way he made things we can continuously discover things yep. and not just things about what's happening now, yep. but that we can actually delve into the unobserved past and figure out things that have happened when, when no one was around to see it in much the same way that a forensic scientist in one of those crime shows is able okay. to go back and figure out all these things that happened when nobody was there to see it. Yep. Um, a third thing we'll stop discouraging our young people from going into to careers in the sciences, yeah,
0: which we've right, been yeah.
1: doing yeah. like uh, horribly. Yep. Um, so we'll stop doing that. And then the last thing gets back to what I, I mentioned a, a little bit earlier is the importance of, of our witness. Yeah. That we will stop as a church and as individuals being barriers yep. to faith in Christ yep and can become gateways to that faith.
0: Yeah, that's so good. You know, I, 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 I'll add to that, um, for me personally, when I came to this understanding, seeing how God works through natural processes actually em- empowered me personally to, when, I, when I'm praying and when I'm asking God for guidance, instead of ins- expecting God to intervene to accomplish things, it's like, no, God wants to work through through me to get these things done. God wants to work through you to get these things done. And so seeing how God wants to work through what he's created instead of intervene in it, I think actually empowers us as God's hands and feet to use the cliche to go out there and get things done instead of just expecting God to take care of it for us. And yes. I think that's, that's incredibly encouraging. You know, I also found that I had a, a deeper interest in scripture and that, when you just read it, the plain reading, as we like to, to hear, um, you know, like wh- why read it again? I, I know what it says. At least that's where it was for me. I read through the scriptures, you know, read through the Bible a handful of times in my life, and I got to a point where I'm like, I, I know what they say. Why should I keep reading it? And I think this is a point when my, my faith was waning back in the day. Um, but a- approaching scripture with the idea that the messages aren't ex- all explicit some of its subtle and actually having to learn to read it with ancient eyes as some theologians have said made it really exciting to to dig into scripture and and unearth things that weren't that aren't always plain and stark uh, and it it's it made my Bible reading time so much richer uh, in in the years since I've come to that to
1: that yeah and and there's there's both insight and irony in what you've shared because yeah. With pretty much any other scripture yeah. if you ask a believer a Christian you know is is the Bible um, you know, just have a a particular verse is it just unidimensional does yeah, it just right. have one one thing to pull out of it and that's it and, yeah. and you'd better get it right. Yeah. They're like, no, no, the Bible's is, it's rich, it's yeah. layered, yeah. multifaceted, that you could read the same passage 10 times, and on the 11th time you see something right. that's fresh and new. Yeah. Until we get to Genesis 1. <laughs>
0: that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Then
1: that's it's like, right. nope, nope, stripped down, yeah. six days, Don't that sequence. That's, yeah, dead. yeah, just yeah. stop. Yeah, You just six days, yeah. 24 hours a day.
0: Yeah.
1: If you, if you want, like, you can memorize what was in each day. Yeah. And and that's it. And it's like no, yeah. no. That is such an incredibly rich story that has layers of truth to it that are not like in competition with each other. That they're complementary.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we mentioned this a little bit right at the start, but I imagine a number of our listeners, you know, might be uh, Christian parents uh, like I am. I've got young kids between the ages of nine and two and wanting to introduce uh, my children to this idea. So how how do we, maybe from your upbringing or even just from your experience talking with other people in this field, how do we um, introduce this idea to our children in a way that they can grasp? Because I think children, in in some ways it's very easy for them because because they have a little bit more plastic minds and they understand that stories can be meaningful without having to be explicitly historical. But in other ways, I guess I'm, I as a parent, I'm anxious about talking to my kids about stories being true, without being um, a historical narrative, and for that to sink in and make sense and give them something to chew on. So that's kind of a complex way of saying, how should we talk to our kids about this stuff?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the, the ultimate solution is that you you need to lock your door, draw your blinds, throw out all your electronics, equipment, and TV, (laughs) and never let them out of the house. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, obviously, we're not supposed to do that. Uh, I think one of the key things is to encourage conversations and questions. Uh, In my own home, and I have four children that are all grown now, that, you know, I thought we talked a lot. And, and we did, I think. Um, and I didn't try to shield them from everything in the world. Yeah. Uh, they still actually tease me about things like, yes, you can watch The Lion King, but we're going to talk about it afterwards. Is there really <laughs> such a thing as reincarnation? No, Dad, there's not. Yeah, so they they have fun talking back and forth sure. in, in my presence. Uh <clears throat> but but that but actually that's encouraging to me that they remember that we yeah, actually discuss these things yeah. so if they feel the freedom to be able to to sit down at the dinner table and say you know dad or mom how come we think this way when you know my friends have told me this or i saw this on tv or then i think that that part is huge yeah. Yeah. because it's it's allowing them to work through some of these things and and the other part of that is that that you're not just telling them the answer
0: right
1: that you're actually asking them questions and drawing things out of them because one of the problems that we have and and this is and the young earth community is playing in on this is is they're appealing to a culture of authority yeah
0: right
1: that you need to believe this because we are godly people who are telling you so and when parents do that then that's conditioning that kind of response that only goes so far. Yeah. Right. And and when they get out of the house and they start being confronted with things that they have to to wrestle with without that parent telling them how to believe, yeah. and things don't jive, things don't mesh. They, they don't develop those tools. Yeah. So if that was encouraged in the home, to the, that so that to, two pieces of that. One is the freedom to bring the questions up. And the second being asking them questions to help work yeah. through the, the answers.
0: And yeah, yeah
1: is, is huge. Yeah. And, and part of that is, you know, all, my kids went to public schools, um, which just, I know I alienated a part of your audience <laughs> just by saying that. <laughs> no, I'm okay. sorry, we, we made but, the mistake. No, uh, yeah. Um, and we, we fortunately, we, we live in a small college town. And so the quality of the public schools is is very good, uh, and we chose to to do that in part knowing that they would be exposed to some things that we would not agree with, yeah. but we tried to then have them engage with us, you know, at the, the, the and, yeah. dinner table, and and yeah. that was a very very important part of our family experience was all sitting down together at the dinner table. Uh, you know, to the extent possible every night
0: yeah.
1: where a lot of those conversations happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I think that gives us something to, to work with because I do sense, you know, in my, in my students, there's apprehension, but in my, my friends at church, my parents, when, when I talk about this stuff and I've taught classes on it, they are uncomfortable with presenting scripture as anything, but just it's all simple and it's all true and then it's just, it's just a comfortable message that's easy to convey, but yeah, I, we both agree that that, that that might be an oversimplification that can cause problems in, in the future.
1: Yeah, so since you just mentioned that, that there's, there's another thing when I'm, I'm trying to get people to be willing to step back and think about things mm-hmm. is I tell them that I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna share with you the two least believed verses in all of scripture. Yeah, and that that intrigues them, right? Yeah, yeah, I am now. <laughs> uh, yeah, Isaiah fifty-five eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Uh, or Romans eleven thirty-three, that says, "Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and unfathomable His ways."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So those verses get read from pulpits of the country yeah. and the congregation nods and says amen and you know what the next thing we do is we describe god in neat little boxes <laughs> that we can get our arms around and there's okay. no unfathomableness to it
0: right yes absolutely
1: so if we remember if we go back to verses like this that say hey you know <laughs> this is this faith that we have does not fit neatly into tiny little boxes of our own making yeah and that if we really want to understand scripture and know God, we need to be able to and willing to disassemble some of those boxes and see just how vast and awesome and great our God is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so good. Uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, I love that perspective. It's really helpful. You know, I, I, um, as we wrap up here, I just want to um, encourage people to, to look into your book. If you have questions about the science behind you know, especially the origins debate, the other aspects. We have questions about how to make peace with scripture. It, it's all in there, and it is so well done. So um, I encourage people to to look up friend of science, friend of faith, and I think you will you will uh, as you achieve your goal of helping people understand why people see this differently and produce a little empathy for those that uh, that think that science is a rich uh, revelation of who God is.
1: Now, and I- uh, and I will ask one favor Sure. Uh, yes. that, that for anybody who does pick up a copy of, of that book or, or one of the others, yeah. and, and it, it has a positive impact on you or somebody that you give it to, then it, it really helps to for the, the ministry of it if you actually take the time to go on Amazon or Goodreads and, and write, a review. write
0: a review. Because yeah, just,
1: yeah. I mean, where we're at in our culture right now, when when you go to amazon and you look at a book and it's it's only got you know 15 reviews there's this unconscious reaction that like oh well it must be a fringe book or something and they're not thinking that just oh no of the thousand people who read it only 15 got on and did a review so (laughs) so it helps if you just take that moment and
0: that that motivates me i will do that because i certainly enjoyed it and i'm happy to endorse it well,
1: and, and to encourage people, it doesn't have to be 20 paragraphs long. Right. In fact, yes. it's better if it's a succinct statement yes. because people, people, don't, read people yeah. don't read the 20 paragraph
0: long <laughs> review. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned quickly <laughs> there that there are other books, and you've actually done some writing in, in fiction. Tell us about a few of the other writing projects you've been doing. Uh,
1: yes, so, there, there's, so there's some things I do for my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some things that I do for ministry. Yeah. And there are some things that I do mostly just for fun and therapy. Yeah. And one of those things in the last six years uh, has been writing fiction, science fiction in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's part of my morning routine, you know, up breakfast, time with the Bible, spend an hour uh, that, that's creative that's writing. Awesome. That's great. And and so there's actually a science fiction trilogy yeah. out uh, that's available on Amazon mm-hmm. that uh, for fair warning, it's like. One continuous story through three books okay. yeah. uh, that is is I kind of describe as a parable of spiritual warfare yeah right so there there is a it's not explicitly Christian but there's yeah. a Christian worldview through it mm-hmm. and and the parable of spiritual warfare is communicated through aliens that are coming to earth that realize they can move around in four spatial dimensions and humans only three. Yeah. And so they can start pretending to be spirit guides yeah. and departed ancestors, and, wow. uh, and and influence people who yeah. are who have allowed themselves to be their minds to be open in those ways.
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll have to dig into that. I, I and this project that I've embarked on have come to appreciate the creative writing nature of it. It's so different from writing a a paper for a publication in a journal, and it's it's rich. I can see where you would get a lot out of that.
1: Yeah, that that first book's called Shadows of the End, and it's the the Mullipen Trilogy.
0: Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And you have a website, is that correct, where people can find this stuff?
1: Uh, That's correct. So, of course, you could find me at the University of Mississippi. But the there's a, a, my author website website is just my name gregdavidson.net, Greg's Greg's with two gs g r e g g davidson.net. Uh, net and yeah so any, any book that I've written is is on there is on there great yep
0: all right a- anywhere else where people should look for you are you active on social media
1: uh sadly yes um i i I reluctantly got sucked into facebook um so i do have a facebook page uh and and i've in a few groups including a uh, an intervarsity uh, emerging scholars facebook page for geosciences that's brand new just started like a week ago wow so i think it has all of eight members right now uh and that's that's designed actually by university to encourage young scholars christian scholars that are in these various disciplines
0: that's great uh
1: yeah and then also in in groups like realm makers which is <laughs> Christ, christian speculative fiction group oh fun <laughs> that's great awesome. yes
0: all right, well, again, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time, Greg, and for the effort you put into writing this book and ministering to those of us that are interested in this field of how science can enrich our faith. We will hopefully have an opportunity to hear from you again at some point in the future, and hopefully hope we will hear your voice as we are working on future videos for Disciple Science, dealing with things like geology and the flood and... and uh, dating, and so we really value your input into this project. Thanks.
1: I'm Thanks for looking doing. forward to that. All right. Thanks and for having me.
0: Yep. Enjoy the spring. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening to this interview with Dr. Greg Davidson. I really do recommend this book. It's a uh, really valuable contribution to this topic. If you're a logical, sequential, scientific thinker, he's going to explain things in a way that will really uh, resonate and make sense with you. So do check it out if you are interested in more depth on this topic. Disciple Science exists to show how integrating science and Christian faith can inspire a fuller knowledge of God. We're a nonprofit and we're fully crowd-funded, so everything we do is dependent on your generous support. You can give by visiting our website and donating through our secure support portal there. While you're there, please explore the rest of our resources, the videos that are coming up. You can sign up for our newsletter and send us feedback about what topics you want to hear more about or even uh, inter- interact with us about the, the podcast. You'll find our, our email address there, which is disciplescience1 at gmail.com and other ways to get in touch with us. If you want to help Disciple Science, we would appreciate your willingness to rate and share our videos and podcasts. You can give a thumbs up and like and comment on our videos on YouTube and More than anything, just tell your friends about Disciple Science and hopefully we'll continue to build an audience and a community of people that are engaging with science, with scripture, with our journey of following Jesus to figure out how to put all these things together to build a fuller understanding of who God is. I want to thank Caleb Davis for producing this episode and for composing our theme music. I'm Dale. Thanks for listening and we'll talk again next week.